All right, a couple of things about me that you might find relatable to you. A few things, okay? Um, I don't like being told what to do. Um, it's in my nature that I resist when somebody says, hey, you need to do this. And I'm like, why? Why do I need to do this? And I've been told by counselors who have done evaluations on me that I can be perceived as defiant. And, uh, <laughs> hey, calm down. Uh, but, on, but truthfully, I'm actually a really great follower. I'm just a person. You got to earn that. Um, I'm not going to blindly do something. I'm not a, a cult. I would not. I could run a cult, but I couldn't be in a cult because I couldn't just, I couldn't like, I couldn't run. I could just say, do this, and I'm just going to do it, right? I need a reason. I need something, you know, and it's not just because I want to be defiant or go against culture. There's something in me that wants to do it the most and best efficient way. Um, so I can awfully, oftentimes feel that my initial reaction and the thing that I think is better. I have that. What does that make me? Human, okay? <laughs> that makes me human. Is there any other humans in the room today that can possibly relate to that? Be like, no, Bill, that's all you. You're just selfish. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I, uh, some more stuff about me is that I don't like to really read instructions. I don't, like nobody, who does? Um, but what happens is I end up doing it twice. And so if you see me reading instructions, that means I don't want to do it twice. Because uh, sometimes you can't afford to do something twice because you don't have the time or it won't let you. Um, Hannah always says, it's why I don't cook. And Hannah always says, like, if you can read instructions, you can cook. This is why I don't cook. And also, there's something special about her that she doesn't have to read instructions. She just does it, and it's good. And it's frustrating to people who can't do that. Uh, so I don't, I don't cook. Um, when we got engaged, uh, it was suggested that we had premarital counseling. Um, and I remember thinking, somebody else is going to tell us how to be married? Somebody's, somebody else, right, is going to tell us how, how to do that. I was resistant to it, right? Um, and I was like, besides, how hard could marriage be? Um, but we did, and I'm glad we did. The counselor said a lot of great things that Hannah needed to hear. Um, which brings me to my next caveat for today's topic. Um, this is not for, if you're thinking, this is for them, it's not for them, it's for you. Okay, it's real easy to do that in this next topic, what we're going to talk about today. It's real easy to point fingers and say, oh, this is, the moment you want to point a finger and say, oh, they need to, you're wrong. This is about you, okay? Don't put that in your head first. So don't, no, try and resist the urge to nudge, you know, put it in your perspective and how you operate, okay? So today we're in part two of our collection, best practices. If you've lived long enough, uh, you have reached, reaped the benefits of good choices. You've also suffered the consequences of bad choices, bad decisions that you've made. Uh, we've all have stories that end with, I'm glad I did. I wish I would have. I wish I didn't do that. Man, I wish I had done that. Right? We all have those stories in our life, and we're offering up unoriginal best practices. Guys, this whole collection is advice. This is not a moral or ethical imperatives. It is not rules. It is advice that will help ensure that you don't break the rules that have the potential to break you, break your heart, or have you end up broke. 
That sounds pretty good, right? I think I, I want that as well. Uh, this advice sits between the rules. It's not a right versus wrong, a legal versus illegal, a moral versus immoral. This is all in the realm of wisdom. And that is something that we should all be searching for. Our working definition of wisdom is simply this, insights informed by the knowledge that life is connected, that everything is connected, that one thing leads to another. Today's choice sharpens and defines tomorrow's reality, what you're going to have. Wisdom is about reviewing those options and seeing what's best and knowing that life in that context is all connected. That even though you might make a choice and you feel like it doesn't have a big impact, later on, you make enough of those choices, you could change your life or somebody else's. That's wisdom. The decisions that impact and affects the rest of your life, the past that shows up in your future, it's the lesson that every parent tries to teach their kids. And for some reason, as adults, we lose sight of how much it applies to us as well, not just children. And this is a really complex one today. So my unoriginal advice, I've, I've made a slide for it so you didn't miss it. Um, some of you just read that and go, okay, we're listening. What's next? No, that is it. Listen, right? That's what we're going to be talking about today is listening, right? How many times, if you're a parent, have you asked your children, listen? If you're a teacher in the room, and we have some, how many times have you had to say during the week, listen? If your paycheck mattered, how many times you said, listen, you would be a millionaire But at this point. Listen is a very important thing that as adults, we lose track of how important it is. Because, you know, Things happen. It's odd advice, I know, for people who are sitting quietly, facing me, listening <laughs> to what I'm saying, if you haven't tuned me out already. Um, and without context, honestly, it's not always great advice. But within context, it is. So no one has to tell us or advise us to listen to what we want to hear. Think about that. Nobody has to tell you. I, like, it's not like I'm out with you. And I'm like, how many times I got to tell you? Order dessert. <sighs> Jeez, you know, buy the car you can't afford. You want those shoes even though you have six pairs? Buy them. Come on, treat yourself, right? Give him another chance. I know he wronged you four times already, but give him another one. We don't have to be told that kind of stuff. Move in with him or her, even though you see the red flags. Charge it. Whatever it is, just charge it. You don't want people to know, just hide it. Hide it away. If you don't want them to know your dirty secrets, excuse it away. Blame it on them, right? I don't have to tell you to do this stuff. Just text. Don't call, right? I don't have to tell you that either. Don't apologize. It hurts too much. Nobody has to tell us that. Um, we suffer and have a strong confirmation bias. That's within us. We want, it's not, you don't have to work to tell us what we want to hear. Nobody has to tell us to listen to what we want to hear or take advice that feeds our appetite. If it feeds your appetite, nobody has to beg you to do it or tell you to perk up when they're talking about it. You instantly hear it, right? It's why you interject into conversations, 
or you perk up when you hear a certain word. You know, if I say treat around my dog, he, he instantly, what? That's one of my favorite words. You know, if he can still hear, he's kind of old. Um, and the challenge for us is that when we're having to hear something we don't want to hear is to pause, is to release our arms, uncross them, be open to what we're listening to, even though we don't want to hear it. That's today's advice. That is maturity. It's a fun word to say. It's a hard one to practice out. Maturity. Puts you ahead, it puts you ahead of the pack. It keeps you out of trouble. It's a, it helps you provide a story for yourself that you'd be proud to tell others, but it's not natural. Because the natural thing is, is tell me what I want to hear or don't tell me anything at all. If we were honest with ourselves, that's where we all are. Tell me what I want to hear or don't tell me anything at all. When I wake up in the mornings, and, uh, and I'm, I'm not a great morning person, and my filter, my kindness filter has not been put up yet. Hannah will be like, hey, it's time to go. Let's do this. Are you ever going to get dressed or leave? And I'll just say sarcastic things like, no. No, oh, yes, it's absolutely what I want to do, you know, that, that kind of thing. Because in the moment, that's not what I want to hear. I want to hear, you know what? Everybody around you thought you needed a day off, right? So stay in bed. We're going to bring you meals, and we're going to pay you extra today, you know, that kind of thing. That's what I want to hear, but that's not always what we get where I've ever gotten. Um, we always want to be told, to, don't tell me what I don't want to hear. And if you don't have anything that I want to hear, don't tell me anything at all. And the truth is... Refusing to listen to what we don't want to hear that we need to hear is a gateway decision. What I mean by that is refusing to listen uh, that, you know, is, wasn't the worst thing you ever did, but it possibly led you to the, de the decision that you'll end up regretting. That could be the worst thing you've ever done. Does that make sense? You would give anything to go back and change that decision. We experienced it this week, and my son had an existential crisis. Uh, we got a stomach bug that went through the house earlier this week. Don't worry, you're safe. Uh, it's, it's been long cleared throughout the system. And, uh, and I remember, so the boys got it first, Hannah got it, and then because I was on cleanup duty, I got it, right? And I remember in this moment of having, because next week we're going on a trip with the boys. Uh, we're taking them with us to our conference. They have something for them there. It's a lot of fun. They look forward to it every year. And I remember thinking, boys, and we told them, you can't be homesick because we're going out of town next week. And it would not look good as parents if you were out for two weeks. And we don't have a great excuse for it other than we took them to a fun thing, okay? We, we, we don't have that. You know, sure, we could say religious reasons and pull that car, whatever it may be. But, but it does not negate the fact that they will miss two weeks of learning. Um, and so I remember saying that, right? And so our youngest one was having trouble because he was sneaking milk when we didn't know it. And it made him re-sick again. It's a whole thing. Um, I can't blame him. He loves milk. And... Uh, <laughs> And we're on the, in the car ride to school, and, and my oldest was like, man, I don't want to miss next week. we got to stay at school, and I, I just hate that this happens. I wish we could get a time machine and go back in time and, and change what we did. And then I'm like, yeah, yeah, probably. Or we could just take in the advice that we always hear is just wash our hands constantly. <laughs> you know, that, that would have avoided this whole thing, but unfortunately, we love people, and we love, you know, we touch, and we put it in our mouth, you know, it just happens, right? And, and because 
We don't think that way. But if we would just take in the advice, right, you wouldn't have done some of the worst things you have done if you just would have listened. Can you admit that? It takes a lot to admit it. I've even had to think back to the times in my life where, man, I royally screwed up. And then my mind instantly goes, I guess it's God trying to remind me. He says, somebody told you not to do that. And you did it anyways. Regrets start and are strengthened with unwise decisions. It's like a snowball effect, right? So you, you make a, a poor decision and you, you regret, regret that decision, but you have too much pride to admit it. And so what do you do? You keep doing the same thing that you're already doing, not listening, right? And then it snowballs. You make the same decision again or something similar, and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger to the point where your snowball regret is going so fast and so hard that you can't stop it, and now you're taking out people coming down the line. That's how it works. Refusing to listen will likely end in regret. And honestly, there's no, if you're writing this down, there's no point in writing this down. This is stuff we know. We all know this. We've been told it for a long time. That's why it's so crazy. We've been on the other side of this equation. There's no need to role play. You've lived it. I'm sure. And you probably don't always want to admit it, but you have lived this. You didn't listen, and now you have regret. No, no need to, to make that happen. And we've ended up in this place where on the other side, we'd be like, well, we, we've told them, don't go out with him or her, but they did it anyways. Don't take that job or trip, but they did it anyways. Don't call him or her back, but they refused to listen because they couldn't see it. And to you, it's so obvious, right? You're like, how could they do this again? We told them. How could they not see the path? Once a cheater, always a cheater. You know, that kind of, that kind of stuff. Once a thief, always a thief. You know, all, those, all those things. It's so obvious of what they should or shouldn't do from the outside looking in. And that's why they say hindsight is 20-20, right? It's not until you get past it that you look back and realize, oh, man, how did I miss that? It was so clear, that's the point of today's message, that the people outside of you and me, the ones looking in, they can, it's so clear to them that relationships and money are not emotionally neutral in our lives. We, we have to pause, listen, stop arguing, and you'll be glad that you did. So be cautious when you hear yourself saying or catch yourself saying or hear yourself or feel yourself humming to the tune of, I don't need you to worry for me because I'm all right. I don't want you to tell me it's time to come home. I don't care what you say anymore. This is my life. Go ahead with your own life. Leave me alone. If you hear yourself humming any of these things, you are isolating and preparing yourself for a place of regret. So if you hear those things, tap the brakes. Don't accelerate because that's how the snowball starts. And I remind you, as your mind is wandering and thinking about other people, this is about you, not them. This is about you. You're enough to worry about, okay? You're enough to worry about. 
If everybody just worried about themselves and did the right thing, then we might be in a better place. And some of you are thinking, Bill, who told you that I'm going through this right now? Who told you that I'm having trouble listening? The truth is we all do it. Some seasons are more scary in that line of thinking of we're not listening and some not so much, but for the most part, we're all there. We're all in that season at some point. If your spouse, friend, roommate, fiance has been trying to get your attention about something, give them a listen. Give them a listen. Just because you listen to somebody doesn't mean you signed a contract and saying you have to do it. The only thing that is threatened in a moment is your pride. And maybe your eardrums, depending on how loud they talk. Pay attention. They may see something you can't see. And while you're listening, without interrupting or arguing, which might be a total feat, and depending on your personality and who you are, that might just exhaust you. You might have to take a nap after that of not arguing or talking back. Pay attention to the tension. All right? I'll say that again. Pay attention to the tension. What I mean by that is pay attention to the tension that is going on inside of you. When you have a terrible time listening, ask yourself, why do I feel this way? Is it everybody or is it just this person that tries to give me advice that I feel this way? Or is it this situation? Or is it because of what I'm having to deal with? Why don't I want to hear it? What's it really about? Why am I pushing back so hard, really? What's going on inside of me? Inspect it. Figure out why is it so bad to hear another person say a few sentences about something that's going on in my life, whether I agree with it or not. Why is it so hard? To shed some light on this topic and, and to help us not justify ourselves, um, I want to talk about Solomon. Okay, we have, we've heard about Solomon. He's known as the wisest man ever. He is probably the, the human with the least need, as seemingly so, that would need to ask for something or have to listen, right? Because the wisest man that's ever existed, how can anybody be wiser? So King Solomon was, uh, when King David died, his son Solomon succeeded him. He was about around 20 years old when he was called to be king. Could you imagine being 20 years old, being called to be king? Yikes. Uh, Solomon was wise enough to recognize and humble enough to admit that he didn't know what he was doing and he needed help. I've, I've, not on that scale, but I understand that feeling. And it's that point of where you're completely terrified of the next step and you're going, what's next? I don't know. Lord, I need help. A lot that happens a lot in church planning. Okay, especially this one. I don't know what to do. Uh, how do we go forward, right? Nobody's done this before. And so Solomon's prayer to God is documented as this. In 1 Kings 3, 7, we'll start there. It says, Now, Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. First of all, that's a great posture to take, Okay. If, if you can't start there, I don't know what to do for you. If you can't admit that you don't have it together, that's like the first step. That's like the first thing. Good posture to be in. He's in the right posture, okay? Let me jump down to verse 9. It says, So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. 
For who is able to govern this great people of yours? That's usually when I'm like upset with like people in church. I'm like, Lord, these are your people. Like, so as I do it to Hannah, it's like your kids, you know, how do we, what do we do about this, right? Um, so what's the result from that humility and posture? First um, Kings 4.29, it says, God gave Solomon wisdom and very great insight in a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. Water follows the path of least resistance. Water follows the path of recent. So think of an ocean, think of uh, rivers. They're gonna, it's going to find a way, and it's usually going to go down the path. It's not going to stop and take a right. If it's going downhill, it's just going to keep going. Wisdom does the same. Humility equals receptivity, meaning that humility, right, when you have right, the humility in the right place, you flow. You don't have to resist and, and grit your teeth and saying, no, it's going to be my way. No, you, you go, you know what? I don't have all this figured out. I don't know the best path. What is the path of least resistance that you've carved out for me, Lord? I want to flow that way. It takes humility to make that happen. Otherwise, you'll be rigid. Pride always equals resistance. If God is trying to push you in a certain direction and you know it's God and you're still resisting, you need to check your pride. It's usually about you. And the outcome of Solomon's decisions, which you've, you're going to read next, in verse 31, it says, and his fame spread to all surrounding nations. Here's the fascinating part about Solomon. The man who apparently needed no one's advice wrote more about seeking it and refusing to discount advice than any other ancient or biblical scholar or author. All of them. The one who has ever been on this earth, other than Jesus, who didn't need anybody's advice, who seemingly had all of the wisdom, saw the value in asking and receiving and listening, he talked about it the most. You would think it would be the actual opposite, right? Solomon understood the wisdom of wise outside counsel. And here's some examples of that we find throughout the Old Testament. In Proverbs 9.9, uh, 9, it says, instruct the wise, and they will be wiser still. Basically meaning the wise still need advice. Even though they're wise, they still, they'll get wiser. There is no cap on wisdom. There is no like you've made it, you've achieved it 100%. Now everybody comes to you, you sit on a mountain, right? That's not a thing. Nobody's ever so wise that they can't benefit from outside input. Proverbs 1.5 says, Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance. Wise people seek out and acquire input from outside sources. That's just truth. They don't wait to be told they need to listen. They just do it. And here's an observation. When it comes to outside input, you're like, when do I take outside input? Uh, when you need it is when you don't want it. That's when you need it most. When you don't need it, well, I mean, no, I'm sorry, say that backwards. When you don't want it is when you need it. With that in mind, Solomon writes this, uh, Proverbs 12, 15, the way of fools Seems right to them, but the wise listen to advice. When we don't want to listen is when we need it. Let me 
make this as simple as possible for you. You're about to do something, and somebody wants to talk to you about it, and you don't want to hear them. You need it. You need to listen. You need to listen. You already know what they're going to say, but you don't want to hear it, right? You need to listen. If that is your stance, you are masterminding your own regret. You are painting a tapestry, writing a screenplay that will end up in the demise of your own regret if you don't listen. It means, and this is going to hurt, and, I, and, I'm, and it's supposed to, so I'm not sorry. It means that you're selfish. That's what that means. You're like, but I... I'm, I'm nice to people, right? And I, but if you're not listening, it's about you. So that means you're selfish. It means that you're trying to live as if nothing else is connected, that your actions don't affect others. Your decisions impact the people around you who love and care for you the most. Big difference between healthy boundaries and selfishness. And I know instantly a lot of your minds, when I'm talking about this, are going to those toxic, really unhealthy situations. Those are, are few and far between, and those are his own things, and those things you need to see a counselor about. But I'm talking about the 95% of the rest of your life, your daily walk. Chances are you're being selfish if you're not willing to listen. Proverbs 15.22 says, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Proverbs 19.20, listen to advice and accept discipline. Uh, discipline is the, cor the, the correction and from pushback and all that. You know, that's what discipline is. And this is hard, but look at the promise that follows after. Listen to the advice and accept discipline, and at the end of you will be counted among the wise." In the end, if you listen and accept the discipline, you will look smarter than you really are. None of us are as smart as we think we are. And we all look and seem smart because we've gone through some things that chances are we were punished. I'm celebrated for not having murdered anybody. But somebody very young told me not to murder, right? Think of, and that sounds silly, but think about the math on that, the logic of it. If nobody told me it's not okay to take someone else's life, right? If nobody told me that, and if I just saw it happen, I would think, oh, that's free game. They're in my way. I get to take them out. That sounds crazy, but that's true. That's what it is. If I didn't tell my toddler children and my you know, young children, that it's not okay just to walk into a convenience store and take what you want and walk out. They would do it all the time because they don't understand. Somebody has to tell them, and they need to listen. It's, it, there, there's, there's things that need to be set up for that. And I have benefited from it, this idea so much. Our organization is led by a board of advisors. We have strategic leadership teams that make Village Heights happen. Believe it or not, action groups don't just happen. Villages don't just happen. Sundays just don't happen. Our existence here just doesn't happen. I wish it did. That would be a lot easier. No, it takes great advice. Hannah and I have chosen to surround ourselves with wise men and women with the access to us to guard and guide this organization 
responsibly. They make us look smarter and more competent than we actually are. When someone comes along and says, man, I heard about what you did in that action group. That is so good. You inspire me and blah, blah, blah. I have to like do a gut check and go, it's not me. <laughs> I'm a part of it, sure, but it's not all me. And I, would, I mean, I, I could just say, oh, yeah, aren't I great, you know? And then they'll go, okay, come do it for us. And they're like, oh, I, I, I can't do that. I don't, I, don't, I don't know. I need to get my team. And they're like, well, I thought it was just you, right? They see how the snowballing effect happens? Um, and as a young leader growing up, I believe the myth that great leaders gave advice, but they didn't take it. I believe that. That's because that's what was portrayed, as if they didn't need it. They were just given this ability to be leaders. And I believe that some people are gifted to be leaders more than others, regardless of your gender or anything like that, right? I believe that wholly. There are women that are way better leaders than most men because men just keep screwing things up. <laughs> and, 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 and that's going down the tangent. I'm not going to do that. Uh, <laughs> but as a young leader, after all, you know, I, I look at them and I said, see how, they're, how it's going? See what they're doing? Surely they don't need any advice, right? Surely they don't need any help. But as I had opportunities to meet them and converse with them and talk with them and because of the, all these things that I'm connected to, and not that I'm like seeking it out, but I get these chances to meet these great leaders. And I've come to find the opposite. They ask more questions than I do. They are forever curious. And nor do they ever say, I have the way. Other than Jesus, now when they talk about Jesus, like, well, I have the way. This is the way. But them personally, like, I don't have this all figured out. I, got, I can get a few things right right now. But there's always a better way to do things. They ask questions, and more importantly, they listen. There's nothing more humbling than having a great leader staring at you, listening to the words that you're saying. It makes you very accountable for every word, every letter that's coming out of your mouth. They knew that leaders who refuse to listen will eventually be surrounded by people who have nothing helpful to say. Wow. Let that sink in. Leaders who won't listen will push the smart, talented, mature people away. And the crazy thing is they won't even know it because people are not going to say anything. Why? Because they don't listen right? It's a never-ending cycle. And that's true in our personal lives as well. So I know what time it is. I'm, I'm going I'm to go through this, right? I have four tips for you for you've taken notes. So here are four tips regarding how to, list, how to listen better and how to listen well, okay? So you're taking notes. Here we go. First one is tip one, avoid the genetic fallacy. Avoid the genetic fallacy. It's discontinuing information based on the, uh, discounting information based on the source. You think, what does he or she know about parenting? Look at their kids. What does he or she know about finances? Look at the financial situation that they're in. Now, I'm not saying give them your money or your kids. <laughs> but discounting based on the source solely is a mistake to make, okay? Bad people are capable of giving good advice, right? Think of the worst person you, can, you know of that's who's in prison right now for a terrible thing that they did. They have some great advice. Don't do what they did. Yeah. That's amazing advice, right? <laughs> Bad people have great advice. 
That's how history is redoomed to repeat itself if we keep on canceling anybody we don't like. And that's kind of the detriment of cancel culture. And I'm not trying to get on a soapbox political about anything like that. And I'm not for putting people on a pedestal who has done something wrong. But if we cancel them, and what do you do when you cancel? Like you would cancel a check. You want it to disappear. You cancel a payment, a subscription. You want that to be gone, right? So now we've been in this place where we canceled people to the point where we don't even see their face or hear from them anymore. We can't learn from their mistakes now. And what is history doomed to do when you don't review the past? Repeat, 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 repeat. So if you forget everything that you've learned, so if you fall in that trap and you forget everything you've learned from broken, imperfect people, what would you forget? You'd forget everything, even your name, because nobody's perfect. Some of us make bigger mistakes than others, and consequences are heavier in certain situations, but you would forget everything, including your name. So as Christians, we should be able to look past people's failings and faults and take away the wisdom of what they have to say. Second tip, don't assume, ex- don't assume expertise in one area makes you an expert in every area, right? So more successful we are, we're more, uh, the more we believe our own hype. We end up becoming the main writer, main producer of our own fan fiction. And we tell ourselves, man, I'm really great at this. I'm really great at math, so I should be amazing at English, right? You ever heard of this say, man, I, I could be a good parent. I was a kid once. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, can you do surgery on yourself? Because that's happened to you. No, it's different. No, it's the same logic, right? If you have it done, you can do it. You may think, you know, all of that. The logic doesn't hold up. Uh, uh, it always cracks me up when I meet someone that's going to be a parent for the first time, and they have their pre-parenting rules. They're like, my kid's never going to do this. I don't say anything. I just listen. And, I, and it's to me. And I was like, oh, I remember being naive once, too. Uh, what a place. What a place to be. All right. <clears throat> Number three. <laughs> Tip three. Don't confuse experience with insight. Don't confuse experience with insight. The old, I wasn't born yesterday. I've, don't, I'm not, I've said these things too. Or this is not my first rodeo. That just means you've been rodeos. Okay, that doesn't... <laughs> surviving is not always a prerequisite to a respectable advice. Just because you survive something doesn't make you an expert in it. Right? Just because you, the bull didn't get you in that rodeo doesn't mean he ain't going to get you in the next one. Right? Okay? I've been around the block a time or two. That just means you're old. <laughs> Not necessarily wise. There's some blocks you shouldn't be circling. You've been around that block too many times, right? Experience alone doesn't make you wiser. If it was, why do we do the same dumb things over and over? Evaluated experience is what makes you wiser. It's taking your experiences and evaluating those and going, you know what? Is there a better way of doing this? That's wisdom, okay? The fourth tip and final tip is listen for, I know, I know. Listen for that. When you say those words, I know, you don't have to say it. Why are they saying it then? 
We talked about this, Hannah talked about this last week a little bit. It's the difference between knowing and doing, right? One doesn't necessarily translate into the other. Knowing without doing is worse than knowing and not doing anything, right? And when you do that, the I know, I know, and you still do it, that makes you look like a fool. And none of us want to be a fool. All right, so in conclusion, wrapping it up, uh, we've all thought or said, I should have listened. I should, I should have seen that coming. Refusing to listen is a gateway decision that leads to regret. And the odds are somebody saw it coming. You just didn't want to listen to them. Somebody can see what you're pretending not to see. So in the words of James, and talking about someone who saw a lot, saw a lot, I mean, it's really hard to listen to the Savior of the world if it's your brother. You know, you grew up with him. You pick boogers together, you know, that kind of thing. You're like, you're the Savior of the world, right? It's hard to listen. So James warns us. He says, be quick to listen and slow to speak. Listen up. You'll be glad you did. And the people who love you most that are all around you will be glad that you did too. So what are we going to do today? One, two, three. Listen. Be excited about it, okay? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for the amazing examples that we have in Scripture. Um, not only are we charged to listen, and the wisest man ever, Solomon, talked about it the most, but even you, Jesus, when you came down to earth to be with us, you listened to your Father, and you gave great example of that. So, Lord, I pray that first, and foremost, that we do not negate listening to you. That when you give, when you tug on our heartstrings, or you're trying to push us in the right direction that you've called us to be, that we don't ignore you, that we listen. We don't say, I know, I know, Father of the universe. That we listen. And Lord, I pray that you help humble our pride and give us the maturity and the insight to have, to be vulnerable enough to just listen to those around us, even if we don't like the advice, to listen anyways, so that we can become wiser and make the wisest decisions and put ourselves in a path of best practices. Lord, we love you. We thank you. Bless Village Heights. In Jesus' name, amen.